right, calling the meeting to order Wednesday, January 18, 2023. Okay. Uh, member and guest introductions. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you, 2023. Thank you for continuing to serve on the board. And um, I think Evelyn uh, was the new member. Um, Evelyn Ingram, who joined us um, last November from the Disability Services Board. Um, she's not here for the meeting today. She wasn't feeling well. But um, having said that, um, I think if you have any specific member or guest introductions, we can go to public comment. Um, are you going to make any public comments, sir, today? What's the gentleman's name? No. No comments. No, no comments. Uh, no public comments. With that we move on to the organizational matters. Um, everybody had a chance to review the TAP business meeting for from last November, November 16, Is there any changes or any discussion on the minutes or motion to approve the meeting minutes? I move to approve it. Accept approval. As present to second. Okay. All in favor? Passes. Thank you. That's seven. Seven seven zero three or seven zero four. Zero four. Sorry, eight zero three. Eight zero three. You can't see the name. Um. So, um, clear those out. Yeah, eight zero three. They're absent. Yeah, but that's that, that's just they don't. They're they don't, right. been on the back. Right. As if they're not here, they don't count. It's yeah. uh, it's, it's abstain and uh, yes, 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 abstain. No, sure, I'm going to put Charles in the So it's eight zero. Eight zero. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yes, yes, no, I'm just saying there's uh, no absolute there. Let's approve uh, the meeting minutes from last November. And the organization matters. And uh, the next one is approval of the 2023 calendar. Anybody? Uh, has any thoughts, comments on the meeting calendar that was presented and we had a chance to look at it? I just want to, if I can ask a question. Are, are you looking at the third Wednesdays? Is that was the proposed, was that the proposal, the third Wednesdays? Uh, in the attachment to, yeah, the shaded is yeah. the third Wednesdays. And is that the one that we that was recommended at least? Yep. Okay. I, I did not identify any holiday conflicts. However, it, that is the same evening as the TLOC meeting. Mm -hmm. Which is which is our current meeting cadence uh, or schedule. Yes. So essentially the highlighted one that conflicts with TLOC um, is our current meeting cadence is what service like it conflicts with it but that's our current meeting cadence third Wednesdays. 
Um, and, and, but I also see the second Thursdays, um, does not have, does not have any conflicts with the other county meetings or does not have any holidays that overlap with it. And also, I think Sarah had presented second Wednesdays as an option that it conflicts with, I believe, a couple of holidays in March. Um, for a Muslim holiday and then for a Hindu holiday. And then third Thursdays, um, there was one conflict um, for Ascension Day, March um, 16. Those were the uh, four options that were presented and second Wednesdays, second Thursdays, third Wednesdays, and third Thursdays. Um, what is the tab on to do? Do you guys want to, um, I guess, find with the, keeping the current meeting schedule access? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So is, is that. Can I clarify? <clears throat> it says 6 p.m. That's a TLEC meeting. I see. That was the conflict. Yeah. Got it. Or seven, but it runs through our meeting during our meeting. If somebody wants that, and they cannot be in both days. Okay. okay. So, um, um, there's, uh, I'll make a motion. motion. I'll make a motion to, uh, to, uh, schedule our 2023 meetings for us on the third Wednesdays, uh, as recommended. Those dates are March 15th, May 17th, July 19th, September 20th. November 15th and finally January 17th, 2024. Second that. Second it. All in favor? All right. All right. All right. That passes 8-0. So next one is a conversion and update of bylaws. Um, bylaws were presented in the PDF agenda that was sent out by Sarah. A proposed draft. Is there any uh, discussion on that item? Any questions? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and just to give you just to start the, the conversation between um, the ad hoc committee on committees uh, decided to by, I'll say the, um, the various different advisory boards and their and their bylaws uh, to come up with a standard template that had similar content, similar sections, I would say. Um, the tab to some extent is able to make modifications to that. Uh, so there were a couple options. One, you could approve the template as is and you were good to go. If you want to make modifications to it, that has to go before the Board of Supervisors for so where is the template? Is you're seeing it, the template? Yeah, I don't see the template. Uh, you're basically seeing the template, except for I, I did customize it for uh, membership that you have. So did it for. And you're recommending or wanting us to talk about adding a member? For eliminating the chamber position in lieu of allowed human services? I, I am presenting that as questions that you all have brought forward and that I wanted to make sure that you, uh, that it was raised to your attention to discuss. But 
We weren't recommending that we eliminate the chamber of commerce. No. no. It was just that it happened to be the bullet was near chamber of commerce. The idea was, um, I think one of our active customer groups in Loudoun County happened to be within the human services network. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's something I think we should consider or think about doing. I'm not saying advocating for a larger tab necessarily. Right. But I think it's a segment of our population that would be good to have. I think it's a great idea. In addition to what in addition to our composition. So. Yeah. You don't know it is a loosely formed coalition of about 55 human service nonprofits. Um, those you've heard of the Love and Abuse Women's Shelter, Love Hunger Relief, Legacy Farms, and they're pretty well organized in the quarterly committees that we have. They are, as you said, in serving the population. Yeah. So, um, if we added that, would that be something that has to go in front of the, I guess that would have to be something that goes in front of the board, right? Yes. And once um, I reached out to our county admin, and we need to follow up with some specific questions that I had with them. Currently, the way the draft bylaws are written is that the board of supervisors can appoint somebody to the tab from any other advisory board uh, that's in their roster. Uh, our previous bylaws had specific agencies that were called out, uh, so that I've included those in there. But that that might be another. Maybe it doesn't require approval from the board of supervisors. They are the ultimate confirming confirming the board anyway, and uh, so so that may not be something that is convinced. But it does increase your your membership. So, for instance, the loud chamber of C, but that individual I truly still needed to be approved by the board of supervisors. So the question would be uh, basically to increase the the formal membership from 15 to 16 if you added loud and human services. No, I, I do need to say we haven't even approached them about being yeah. on that. That was actually my it's next question. Something, something we were thinking about that might be useful. Might add something. No, I think I think there would be an individual who would be interested in joining. Okay. Uh, what what I would recommend is I actually like what these these templates. I, I would actually hold off on the human services uh, network until we talk to them, but we can always amend these later, right? These bylaws, we, we don't have to like, we don't have a set window where we can up update them. So what I was thinking was, should the human services network uh, representative want to have a representative on this, on this advisory board, we can approve these as is and, um, and then add that seat if, if, uh, if it becomes that they, they would like to be here. That's just my thinking. The other changes I, I do, uh, I do like, I mean, the. 3 and more consecutive meetings, I'd like that it's a little bit more. It's less gray between excused and not excused. So, versus, I think the old 1 had. 2 non excused in a row or in a calendar year or something like that. And, uh, it was kind of, it was pretty much at the discretion of the chair. And, um. There is no secretary position, which I think makes sense, given that the, at least for this body, the, the staff is doing the, the, the heavy lifting on the secretary position. So, finally, with 
yes, we have officer elections every year, uh, two years is going to be every year. I like that candidly a lot better too. And for us, there's actually no net effect for Rob and I, because we're, we're all going to be re up next year anyway. So. so I, 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 I like this. I, um, that's just my discussion item. So, so essentially what um, you're, you're recommending or suggesting um, which is approve uh, changes assets. I mean, Without the human services network, yeah. But uh, and and not to say that I don't want that. I just I just don't, I, I don't want to put one on here without telling them and talking to them. That's kind of my only concern about that. So the changes that we make today are approved. We make. How does that take shape or form? Then does it go to collectivity somewhere and then goes to the board of supervisors? How does that? So my understanding, which is what I need to confirm with John Adam. But these basic changes would not warrant having to go back before the Board of Supervisors. Okay. A couple things I need to clarify are specifically the different agencies that are represented, as opposed to the paragraph that was in the draft template that basically says the board can appoint anybody from another uh, advisory body to right. this to this board. So, so in this case, if we are adding human services network, that's where we need to check with them on the admin to see how that's going to play out. That, that would be another thing okay. uh, to increase our membership right. and then also designating our representative. And that's when it goes to the board. That's yeah. when the, I, well, I need to clarify if, if yeah, that after your clarification. Yeah. Yeah. The clarification and all acceptance and approval, then it goes to the board for their final right off. Yeah, it's, so, are, are you, if you want to make any other changes, we can talk about it tonight and then if, board, if this board approves them, then I would have a follow-up meeting with county admin to say, do these minor modifications trigger us into a separate approval from the supervisor? Okay. They may say yes, in which case we would take it to them. If they say no, then it's just adopted. Okay, so you know, in this case, as I think it makes sense what Rushi recommended. So let's find the find it out from county admin to see how this is going to play out process wise. Mm -hmm. And also to Rushi's point that we have accepted human services network in this case if they want to be part of the transit board. Are you comfortable with us approving these changes contingent upon board supervisor feedback? I don't, think, I don't think I don't think board supervisors are going to give feedback right now. It's county admin. Oh, yeah. oh, county admin. I'm just saying, can we can we process this tonight? Get that taken care of. The changes other than the issue. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's what I think that's what we are discussing, and it, we had to make a motion. If I can make one more point, that would also mean that the special election for the officer officer secretary would be no longer required on the agenda. Correct. So the changes here. So, sorry, Sarah. If you if you are able to call out, I, I don't know if everybody had that. Uh, opportunity. So, if you want to quickly call out what are what's being, you know, uh, I know that being that's the distinctions between this and our old bylaw. Right. Just the highlights, sir. I think four of them. Correct. Uh, so we just covered adding another member that represents the human services network. That would be a change. As Rushi had mentioned, the new version eliminates uh, a lot of the provisions in our old one about inactive and uh, you know, two consecutive active 
uh, absences, and then there was a whole process to reinstate you. This basically says if you miss three consecutive meetings, then um, and we would take action to uh, request that that seat be filled by somebody else. Uh, and you know, three meetings sounds like a lot if you think of it in nine-year span, but you are all nominated for four years, so there are twenty-four essentially 24 meetings uh, in your term. So three consecutive over those four sessions. And they're consecutive too, so. That's right. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Three consecutive without justification? Uh, it doesn't no, say, three. Uh, three. there's no excused or unexcused. <laughs> so even she if- think she was saying this, it's a gray area, so I think that's it was very much at the discretion of the chair at that point. And, uh, you know, so depending on the chair, if there's two and they, he or she wanted to come out, they're gone. And um, and they would actually just, they would become inactive immediately without board approval. This actually forces it up to the board and the board actually has the vote to take it on. Thanks. And also, it doesn't say virtual or in person. It can be still virtual. Uh, this does allow for a virtual component. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so written in here is, uh, Article seven is the remote participation. Right. So, anyway, I think what you're saying is that if some for some reason you're sick but you want to join in the year and you join remotely, that would count as being here, even though you may not count for program. Right. I thought the rule for counting was that you have to be in person. So it was only under that emergency period designated by the governor, whoever it was, but that period's over now, so you have. Could be wrong on that, but they made changes. Oh, okay, well, that's good. Yeah. Now, I still don't think you can vote, though, right? I mean, you're remote. Can you vote? Uh, if you have approval to be remote, yes. Okay, but you no. just won't count toward quorum. Yeah, you do count towards quorum. It's like being there. Yeah, it's yeah. just like being there, but you have so to get it's since a week before you have to make a record. Or I think, for, for yeah, that. I think what happens is, <laughs> I think what you're referring to, Rich, is if you Call out sick and you still want to go now you haven't gone through the process ah, i see so yeah. now you're yes. now you're not okay. included in the form but if i if i like if i'm away and i know okay you're right and if you've done if you've done gone through the process got the approval and done that i'd have to go back through but i believe that's right, right. I, I think i think that, that was the case with i think one of our tab members mm -hmm. in the last meeting and sarah was able to provide a link for them to join but they were they were not able to participate or we part of the quorum and vote. Got it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I think it's two days before the week before you have to make the check. Let's go to the Something like that. So, that that's not getting the details. Yeah. I did not highlight that. Uh, so more flexibility there. Yes. That's good. Uh, request for remote participation must be made in writing to the chair of the pad before noon on the day of the meeting. Oh, yeah, in a crowd. So, if yeah. you could give me more notice than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, theoretically, they're doing that. It's something's come up. Yeah. I doubt anybody's going to think that. Yeah. Is that the new template? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should add the word virtually into that, into that language because with COVID, after COVID, just because we're here doesn't mean COVID is gone. So 
you know, <coughs> virtually, virtual should be available and should be mentioned clearly. I think it says online, right? I think it says remote. Remote or online, I think remote is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a remote participation in TAP or committee meetings. Yeah. yeah. In addition to being able to participate, uh, you're limited to two times in a calendar year to participate remotely. The TAP is a whole board can hold an all virtual. Can? Can, yes. Let's see. Let's see how many times. Uh, up to two times per year. They can't be consecutive, um, but you can do it. And, and it would be all virtual. We would, uh, and what, how the public participation would be set up is uh, I would have to have an active email address. That anybody who dropped off the call could email me. I'd have to monitor that while we're having the all virtual meeting. We would not have a public meeting set up. It would not be a hybrid meeting. It would be. And that wouldn't come towards the individual members twice a year to more parts. No, sure. no. Yeah, that's in addition to the whole team. Theoretically, you could be the I can make a motion to approve the, the new template for the transit board bylaws. So minus the that's not in there. Oh, oh that's, that's just a comment. It was not. Oh, yeah. you okay? Yes, yeah, that's what Penny was saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is there a second? Second. Thanks, for those. All, all in favor? What are we following up on? The LHS implementation. The additional expansion, I think. And Sarah, if you would like, like myself, uh, I'll volunteer myself to to reach out to anyone or anyone else wants to reach out to the <coughs> network, please. I'm more than happy to. I work with them regularly, so there you, go. You, you, can. you want to be. If you know, if you know them, I don't know them. Well, can you have them um, come and speak, or you know, come see? Because it's one thing to say, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll show up, but you know. I'm here so they get a flavor of what what happens. I mean, like it, it's easy to say, just sit there and someone says, "Hey, would you like to do?" You're like, "Yeah, sure." But then another thing, you get up and come here. And then, not that I've been seeing such long about it. Like, you, this is a scintillating evening. <laughs> I'd like to think I'm excited to be wrong, but in, in reality, I'm not that excited. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a great if they, if they want to come. Yeah, just test they, it out. Yeah, come spend a good a couple they times in here and then be more than more than welcome to them. Actually, I think it will help people vote for for that change too. Uh, they're actually here. I would oppose it. Hmm? I would oppose it. Oppose them coming? He would not oppose. No, no, I would oppose to them coming to test out the water. I mean, this is not a joke thing. This is a serious and it's, it's not close. Anybody from the just, public can join. But just to put yeah, a fine point on it, I was appointed by the chamber, but I wasn't told to come test whether or not I would continue to come. Now the chamber asked me if I wanted to make the and I have. That's the same with their supervisor. I mean they're they're citizens, they they recognize there's some time for something. No, I got that. My only point is, is that this is a specific carve out for that for that for that group. And so 
Um, you know, I know I, I, I'm, I have a car, I mean, these car routes are already there. I'm from Ashburn, and you know that, that car route is there. So if we want to create an additional car route, which I think is perfectly reasonable, I don't have. I would love to see just see them come before we do it. I don't care if it's the same day, but you know, to me, it shows that yeah, you know, we're willing to come and we want and you know we want to we want to participate. Yeah, I, I so, think we want to take a step back because the onus should be on the organization. Because the organization, I think, to Amy's point and base point, somebody from that organization is going to represent. It could be not, it could not be the same person representing human services network. So the onus on the organization if they want to be partaking in transit. And I think that you know having them have a presentation here or some kind of discussion on how transit affects theirs. So, 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 so it does come from them. So and so they have to be on them. Um, if they want to partake in transit and shape transit for the future. So, uh, yeah, I, th I think it's, it's, it's a good addition to have them. Uh, but again, they, as we have to let the human services network uh, make the decision. But so, yeah, they, they may not have a bandwidth. Maybe they do have a bandwidth. Exactly. So transit. I mean, I hope they do. Guys, it's 55 members. You know, there's 55 nonprofits. Um, and and you know my understanding was that the chamber position was vacant for right before they went. Oh yeah, we need to right. Am I right? Mm -hmm. The seat was empty. But yes, it's eight month. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean that same thing could happen with this. It's a sort of oh, that, that you take, well, but something you just said. Um, Fifty-five members, right? That's news to me. Like 55 organizations. organizations. I mean, in, 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 there are probably members. staff so, three to ten. That, I think it's just what I know. I don't know the quote down well stuff up there. So there's a lot of stuff that I, I mean I don't really have objection to principle. I'm just kind of I just don't. I have so much I don't know. And you know if they come and they talk to us, great. That's all I'm asking. Really. So and then we can we can uh, make a motion for, to push it to the board that the next that same night. But that, at the end of the day, it seems like it's a board decision, right? Finally. So what you're saying is you want them to come and do a presentation before you would consider I, having I, them part. I, I just want them sitting somewhere and just you know see if they were, they're interested. That's can you lead it? And before I, we, I'm just adding to that flavor that we're gonna talk about transit and how that affects them, and they need to have some kind of a a a, a, a or a, or a statement. They should have a statement. Why they are coming here? Let me let me mention Sarah actually on Friday is making a presentation to Mrs. Nestor oh. to talk about uh, surveys and feedback that we're seeking in terms of strategic plan. And it's certainly a, a form in which we could mention that as as members of as as um, staff to the tab, the tab has agreed that we would like to have a representative from the Please reach out to Amy and let folks you're interested. She can give you the details. She's been here, and we can give the details too at the meeting. But uh, I would ask them to reach out to Amy to do. That's that's what. Well, uh, indeed. I like that. It, it doesn't yeah. feel like a trial. Yeah, right? yeah. It doesn't feel like you know. And, and, yeah. Well, like I said, this is this is all news, right? So we didn't. I didn't know that that's what's happening there too. Sure. So, um, um, I, yeah, it's basically. But I still like if they I would love to have them here regardless, and if you know, so if they're interested, then you know, whenever meeting that we just set up the schedule, they can join us for that, and then we can 
um, put them on the agenda for that meeting to get approved. Sure. Okay, so uh, I, in my meeting on Friday, I will mention to them that the child is interested, it wants to discuss with them if they're interested in designating a person to represent their agency on this board and invite them to the March meeting. Yep. And then if they are on board and it all works out, then we send that to the Board of Supervisors for my understanding what you all have agreed yeah. Or it feels a little contingent in the way you phrase it, but yeah, I I, I think we're all in step with each other, and, and and frankly, they have their own bureaucracy, and their executive committee will probably want to consider who is the best representative. So that would say yeah, by we have to get the approval. So the bylaws would have to be changed well, first. We have to. Then the appointment would have to be made right next. Right. Yeah. So it's it would be a couple, couple of meetings. A couple of meetings, and yeah. maybe they could come as a guest if someone is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to process it in my head of what's going to take place. Yeah, we cannot work, work the same night as what, say, March. We cannot we, work, we work to have them as part of the membership as well. We but can, it just goes to the Board of Supervisors. No, by last time to change. We, that's what we would be changing is the bylaws. But we won't be appointing them. We don't appoint anyone. The board does. Meaning. So that my point is, we would be changing the bylaws, and at that point, the human services. I'm sorry if I got that name wrong. Um, would then appoint. Would talk to. I think we'd have to figure that out. Who on the board they'd have to appoint? Who would talk to to get an appointment? And then that's how they get that appointment. It's a little different than our supervisors. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same, same process. Yeah, we wouldn't be approving any membership at all. It's just really just saying we're going to change the bylaws to add that seat. That's really all we're doing. Yeah, we will we'll be seeking the bylaws change. Right. Yeah. And are we still with 15 members at the point in time? We, 16 would be 16. 16 would be 16. But, but humans network. Right now we have four open seats, Sterling, Metro, Long Hall, and local bus. Question on that. Um, if there is eight and eight, you know, so if eight members are here, does that still count as quorum? Well, the chairman doesn't want to. <laughs> no, wait, yeah, I'm talking about quorum. Okay, so that's that's an important point. We would need to have almost, you'd have to have two, two spots open. Oh, no, you'd have to have nine. So eight and eight would not, so you'd have that nine for quorum. Thank you. Okay. Majority of People active on the board. Yeah, majority of the active. Yeah, but if if, if all sixteen seats are filled, yeah, that means eight people would not. We we had it at some point in time. Yeah, but we both we both had like fifteen or 50, some 50, odd number. 50, so like so yeah, like theoretically 50. you have fifty point one. So if you, you know if that eight was there, you saw seven. So but now if we add one more, eight and eight means that you'd have to have nine performances. So I went back time. There they go. I don't know that you've ever had a meeting that I don't remember chair. No, so I'm not sure you'd have to worry about that. That's literally why I'm asking the yeah. question. So, yeah. so, but if, um, yeah, but um, please, the remote participation one. Chairman does vote. He does not make motions. He or she doesn't. So if we go to 16, so it's 8 8, and if there's some sort of vote where it's 8 8, is there a tiebreaker? 
fight somebody or he's not gonna stay on. You'd have to have man. We have to stay in this room. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure so many would go. I'm flipping. That's it. I'm good. I, I can just leave and then you can be <laughs> So, so yeah. So, so that, so that, that's going to be a fair on that. Thank you, sir. Um, so we will revisit that in March. Thank you. Um, so moving on to item two B. Especially election to fill office, so I don't like, that's, no, that's no longer applicable because we just voted uh, on two C. Um, so with that, moving on to business matters, uh, discussion concerning or about news article concerning commuter bus service, Mr. Henko. Yeah, it's been my concern for a while, just because of the change in the workforce in the last few COVID. Um, not as many people are going to DC; they're working remotely. I mean, we'll get to the statistics in a minute, but with the silver line active, um, and even at the supervisor, like, what's the need for the long haul bus service? Other than the staff's going to get in DC, is supposing going to the metro, taking the metro in, and I don't know what the cost difference is between the two. Uh, I just see a concern that that it's going to say, no, we don't need long term bus service anymore. We'll shuttle you. To the metro stations or, or you know, Ashford metro station to get you there. Uh, may need smaller buses, more of them, more drivers rather than the big buses we have now. So, um, so as I um, said in the larger distribution, email distribution for our tab, um, we had discussed this, I think, a year, two years ago. Uh, and uh, member, specifically, so support member of Mark Raj. I had brought this up earlier um, as well. Don, you were discussion meeting. But yeah, I, I will let staff uh, provide any additional feedback or inputs. Um, well, we've been just to, to give you what I know, and, and Scott Stephen can add there, maybe has some information on it. But um, the board members have not come out. As a whole, as a body, to say yes to long haul or no to long haul. Individual members have indicated a wish to eliminate long haul. Others have indicated a wish to keep long haul service. So there is not a, currently a consensus on the board in terms of how to proceed for the future. Um, way back many years ago, I don't know how many years ago, um, there was a push to get rid of long haul once Silver Line Phase 2 opened. Some of those board members are no. So there, there's no clear consensus at this time. I think as we get more data on ridership to the Silver Line uh, on our local routes, um, the board may uh, get more comfortable with making a decision about eliminating long haul. Uh, it is a convenient service. It's, it's $10 a ride uh, with a smart trip card, and um, it's, it's a nice way to get to work. Um, I think the latest percentage, Scott, did you say 47% indicated in a recent survey that if they didn't have long haul, they would not get on Metro, they would drive a car. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly not what we want to have happen. But on the other hand, do we continue buses downtown too? So, and Scott, you've got the data on the ridership on the long haul service right now, what we're averaging five or something like that per day. Yeah, well, we're at 25% of where we were. Okay. <clears throat> Pre-COVID, and I think it's 
couple things I want to point out. Um, I haven't heard a supervisor say they want all service to go away. They specifically, Supervisor Turner specifically said we need to have discussion around long haul. That was his words. And then Supervisor Umstead simply asked, are we sure or something along the lines that we need long haul service? So I think, you know, they're, I don't, I don't get that they're coming to shut long haul down, but they want to start to have a conversation around now we've invested in rail. Let's look at the statistics. Let's look at these other things and, and decide from that standpoint. I think those are going to be the next steps on the term. Let me just start looking at the cost too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the cost. It's not just the cost to run long haul. It's the cost compared to the rest of the system. Yeah. Right. I mean, if if you're so, for example, if you're at a you're moving people around the county, and then and your net cost per person is actually I did this math today. So your net cost per person to move people around the county was seven sixty eight or something like that. Um, for the local fixed route and your net cost on the commuter bus was 722. Yeah. Right. So you're actually let it costs you less to send them downtown. And oh, by the way, that net cost only counts fares. Only fares for the commuter bus. So when we take expenses, less fares, your net costs are lower than what it costs to actually operate the local fixed route service. So that's why I think, you know, there's there are larger conversations that need to to just kind of educate everybody on where all the services sit, what the net costs are, what the revenues go in to offset those costs, so that everybody has a clean, clean, clear understanding of all the services. Yeah, question. Um, yes, but my first uh, comment is that I know in my district, Ashburn district, is not a ton of there is there's obviously commuter buses, but I'm sorry, buses, but a lot of the folks actually use the commuter. Uh, that is made obviously use it less now after COVID, but um, that's actually something that they really do use and they enjoy. They'd r much rather spend $10 to sit on a bus and spend $10 plus, the, which is, I don't know, I think the toll road has gotten to that point, like four or seven dollars yeah. for that. So, and they're making, they're saving money on that and they don't have to wear and tear. So, yes, so there might be uh, opportunities to right size. The, the offerings, the commuter bus service, but offerings so that maybe not have as many uh, trips or maybe find some routes, I don't know, or, you know, maybe make it slightly less convenient or maybe keep the, the more popular stops downtown, et cetera. But I know that they very much would, they very much would like that it's a service. They, they, I know people that are like, I love the Metro, but I'm never using it. Uh, or I, I, it just takes way too long to get down there or, or, you know, or like the commuter bus stops a couple blocks from my office and the, and the metro says, oh, I don't have to take, I don't have to switch trains at Roslyn or whatever. So there is a lot of reasons for that. And, and I think it actually costs them less or about the same to take the commuter bus versus the metro. I think the metro is around $10, eight, nine, $10, $9 or $10 for the metro. Yeah, but if you're going down, yeah, so I mean, yeah, please. Yeah. And told, you know, if you're driving, it's very safe. Yeah. Okay, so, but um, yeah, yeah, but you know, three fifty for a seat on a bus versus, yeah. uh, anyway, so they 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 definitely prefer it, and they get right out and they go to the because they usually park in the in a, a lot, and then they go straight to. The, they consider charging for parking. Even Fairfax, 
I'm just saying that from my from my from my assertion, I very much would like it. I don't think there I think there's an opportunity to maybe reduce the or optimize this maybe not reduce the right word, but uh, optimize the service but that I, I think the um uh, the commuter service is very. Is I, I think I think that in the in the multi mode we need more multi modal system than we did in the past. We can mm -hmm. just chop one or the other, and uh, it sounds like more like a uh, poaching train coming poaching of the bus. It can can be that way, and uh, of course with the train everyone is looking at train. Let's move passengers towards the train. It should be eat up the other services that has been going on successfully before. So it is it is a pros and cons. It's a cost benefit analysis that you have to do to look at. To so keep that service going, and looks like there's a lot of folks still prefer the bus. The train you got to change trains, and sometimes you have to do all the bus. I think this this is an important conversation we've had this in the past, where we have to let Metro run for a bit and see what the ridership is, and then, like Rupi, like Rushi said, optimize accordingly from your bus services. So yeah. So I, I'm just going to throw this out there. We already optimized it. COVID hit, we went way, way, way down. Had a service to to handle what we have. And and there's the problem when you get the problem with transit in general is there's a balance of you have to offer enough service to make it convenient for people to draw them and use it. Right. It's not a it's not a one to one comparison. I can't I can't look and say I've got 200 riders now. All right, I'm going to squish buses down where I only can only handle 200 people because now I've gone from five options in the afternoon to one. If I miss that bus, now what do I do? You know, now I get to the rail station. Now I get to the rail station. Now what do I do? Or is it department or not? So it's a little. It's not quite as black and white as everybody yeah. wants to make it that way. There is definitely a tipping point for how much service you have to make it convenient to be able to draw people on. We knew we found that out the hard way we, when we started ramping the service up. We only had five buses running and we were averaging three or four people on bus. Once we got up to 10 or 12 buses, all of a sudden we had 15 people on each bus because now they had options to get back home in the afternoon. So it's 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 just yeah that's kind of the that's the back end work that we have. I mean, certainly, but if, if they're looking at it over the next couple of years, it's not going to happen. Well, year. precisely, the next yeah, precisely. Did you yeah. see a phase type of approach to ordinance, right? Phase out buses to fully get to a certain size, because yeah. um, we certainly aren't using all of our buses right now. I mean, we're using them, we're rotating them through, but we're not using. Because you're saying that you have right sized. We've right sized the service. The fleet, we, the fleet is still the same size right. it was because you buy a bus with grant funding, you have to to keep them for a certain number of years. So but, the one thing that hasn't really not been discussed at any of the state levels that I've seen is for jurisdictions like Loudon that has and now has a glut of commuter buses. What do we do? We don't really want to keep them for 12 years, you know, having 30 extra buses for 12 years and just 
rotate them into the fleet, even though you don't need them. So then questions start to become, you know, what do you do? Can you can you can you sell them? And at what what is you know? And will the state work with us to make sure we can sell them so that we don't get dinged if we need buses in the future of a different size? Or if they start, if they start switching to you know electric or natural gas, how do have to replace the fleet? So they're going to look at that in terms of. Yeah, and that's true. That's <laughs> right now the only switching you're doing is the state is offering. You're either buying what they call enhancement buses, meaning you're adding to your fleet, yeah. or state of good repair where the buses have reached their end of useful life and now you're changing them out. So there has been no discussion of taking, for example, a coach bus that's in midlife at six years and saying, okay. It's okay to get rid of that one and trade it in. Now we, we want you to get a battery electric bus. None of those discussions have been in place. And, and those are the kind of discussions that really have to start to take place to really factor in where we're going. I had, I had two questions. So, but I'm just confirming you guys have right size is what you're saying. We right size and service. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing is how often are you called upon by the board supervisors to report? Is there some rhythm or does it just sort of come up in, in their requests? Usually well, we really report in any detail to the, to the boards during the transit side. But we have not really, I mean, we've given the board a report in November just to give them an idea what's going on with operations, but more, more uh, particularly, we were trying to give them or ask them for some guidance on how to put our budget together. So we provided some information, but it's not the real detailed information that if you really want to understand what's going on, we are not reaching that level of discussion right now. When COVID hit, we did provide about every three months, an update on where the services were. And then, <clears throat> then we moved that to six months. And yeah. so we, that's been going on for the last three years. So that the board was updated. But to Penny's point, we also, every month for two years during COVID, we were providing a fairly detailed update to the county administrator. Operating on the assumptions, communicating that up to the board. For that purpose, but it's, you know, and that's kind of, I think the board really doesn't want to necessarily get into that level of needs. They just want to make sure that someone's looking at this and sizing it. So, question to you, Scott. You mentioned, um, you know, currently for the jurisdictions for the size of loading, if they want to switch out buses, say, you know, middle of the lifetime, six years, and there's no way in the state. Uh, or has there been any suggestion to board of supervisors on the added to the legislative packet to their status papers? I don't think that's likely to happen. I mean, the DOPT schedules the life of the vehicle based on FTA regulations. There's specific so regulations for types of buses. At different levels as yeah. well. Okay. And so DOPT is set up, our Department of Public Rail and Transportation is set up to replace on that life cycle schedule by type of bus. Now there may be some federal money out there that we're not aware of, although we crack federal grants to see if that's out there. The benefit of DRPT money is it's there, it's been consistently there to replace when a bus is ready for replacement. The, the, the challenge of a grant is you can get the money to initially buy it, 
but when it comes time to replace it, the money may not be there to the federal government. And that's what makes the OPT's program so good. They pay 68% usually on the cost of the purchase of the security retreat. Do you do surveys of the uh, metro lots, parker ride lots, as to what cars are there, whether they're Maryland, West Virginia, or Virginia plates? No. We, we survey all, we do vehicle counts in the lots, every lot once a month, just to get a gauge on what's really happening parking wise versus ridership wise. Um, so we have both numbers on the same day. So we can don't break it down by state. No, we don't because. Then you get into a tricky wicket there because one of the problems is we're such a transient area that with the military and everything else, you can go to like, for example, Percival. A couple of years ago, we went up there and we did just that. And there were Washington State, Texas. I mean, there was there was enough literally. There was probably, I don't know, at that point, 80 or 90 cars parked in there and about 30 percent of them were out of state. So there's you really couldn't really couldn't make a leap in logic to say what's happening. I mean, I'll, you can make a leap in logic that's obviously say the West Virginia cars are coming in and parking there, but then it's the same. You start to get into philosophical discussion at that point. What do you, you know, do with that? Right. What do you, yeah, I mean, the, the benefit is you're taking those cars off of the road, which is what you're trying to do anyway. And is it, does it matter if it has to be a lot county resident versus somebody that's coming in and using that same service? You're still getting that vehicle off the road, which is the goal, right? Is to reduce the flip side of that is you go into, you know, the Fairfax County, you know, and let's just use the Metro rail station, the prime example, right? Wheeling Metro pre pandemic on any given day, 50% of the cars parked in that lot were lot county vehicles. So it's it's you know everything kind of when you when your employment center is over here everything kind of flows that way. Um, now COVID has really turned all that upside down on its head. Now everybody's rethinking employment centers and where they're working, and so it's it's a very right now it's a very fluid's the right word, but it's it's, it's definitely changing. It's also it seems like the pendulum swung the other way. I think it's. Swap really far to everybody's, you know, stay home, just stay home, period. Now it's president came out and said, we need to get people back in the office. The agency and heads are now saying, listen, we need to get people back into DC. I saw last week the mayor of DC mentioned, hey, yeah. we need people to come back to DC and get back in. And I think the Republicans in the new chamber that just came in, they, they submitted. I don't know what it's called, a bill or something saying, get back in the office and work. Yeah, go back in the office, you know, so it's so for, I think we're at the low point of people. It seems like that over time, it might swing to, to, to rise back up. Well, the ancillary, I, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. Now, where that pendulum ends up coming back the other way, it's three days a week. But I, I think you're spot on, Charles. I, I think um, the president, I think from a political perspective, they're realizing the toll it's taken on a lot of private businesses, right? Whether it's parking, whether it's restaurants, whether it's um, dry cleaning, you know, I mean, yeah. everything. There, it has had such an overwhelming impact on 
all these other ancillary businesses that I think they're realizing how much that's affected the economy too. Well, in Wamada, their ridership, at least on Metro Rail, I think it was that. First of all, they're getting rid of peak peak right riding fares um, in the proposed budget, and they are also um, noting that their peak ridership is Tuesday Wednesday. So people are going to work, but they're not going to work every day. Yeah. And I don't know if we'll ever get away from that. I mean, think of not having to. I mean, the benefit of working from home is incredible. So why waste that time and pull and money to get downtown if you can work remotely? So it's a new world we're in. That's right. In all related, kinds of ways. <laughs> a related question on on Metro, considering the difficulties with the seven thousand series cars, training, other safety issues. How confident is Loudoun County that every Silver Line train will operate to the end of the line, and they don't start turning? Turning every other train around and we will turn back. Right now, but I don't think that we will. I mean, I is there an agreement? Anything's possible when you've got the budget framework and picture that what WMATA has for fiscal 25, which is pretty grim right now. Anything's possible in order to cut costs. But the board of WMATA is working very hard to find ways to fill in the huge gap that they know that they're going to face in 25. 24, they're going to be fine, I think, but 25 is when all that federal aid goes away, and that makes a huge funding gap that has to be filled in some way. WMATA is one of the largest uh, transit authorities in the country that does not have a designated operating funding source. Most major systems have a designated, whether it's sales tax, gasoline tax, or some sort of designated source of funding to help subsidize the operating costs and and WMATA does not and so there's a a huge hole on their operating budget 25 that needs to be addressed so ron was your question on budget portion of the safety or the impact on our long haul services if we'll have 40 minutes to wait at the station gotcha yeah So, so, so if there isn't any uh, pressing talks, uh, questions on that item 3B, um, just again around, uh, so I added this to the agenda. So this is more around northern traffic, more around the accessibility of uh, specific Loudoun station, um, Loudoun, uh, Loudoun, it's called Loudoun station, um, in Ashburn by Home Depot. So the accessibility to the station, I sent sent some pictures to staff today. So how you get to the metro station, um, you know, from either on the Home Depot side or from the zone on the other side, it's just that the flow of the traffic flowing in, or it's just you know, right now that, that like Penny said, it's just three days a week that it's been projected to be in the peak. Yeah, peak period. Uh, so we may not we may not see that. But it's just the configuration of the traffic movement around the metro, I think, is what still has to be. That's why I had all that out. Uh, so if you see home, on the Home Depot side, there's no direct path to get there. We go through all these lots to get to the metro. Yeah. It's like clustered in the, in the little strip yeah. to get there. And on the other side, there's no way 
this is starting going to Metro Virus, you have to turn up and then go to Metro. So it's just the configuration of how you get the metros like a little convoluted, if you can say, um, in Ashburn. So that, that's why I have called it out. I don't know if you guys had any comments on that. Because I, I saw this, I saw this, you know, this has happened in the past in Fairfax County Metro stations. Um, they had to go through traffic issues because of the usage of the metros is pretty high in Fairfax. Um, I'm not sure how it, how much is the ridership in Fairfax County on the metro of Fridays a week, but I think it's the same on uh, three days, which is the peak, I'm assuming. Is this from uh, personal observation? Personal or? observation. This oh, person is observation. Just the configuration of how you get to the metro, metro station. Just a personal observation, nothing. Uh, so it's just that. So I get to the area a lot and, you know, go to the metro, metro station, that, that section. And how you get to the metro, go apart in the metro, they had to go to the metro station. Uh, you know, the metro is like sort of in there. It's not a direct access to the metro. Um, meaning, if somebody has to drive in, drive into the metro, it's, it's not an easy way to get to the metro on either side. It's like the configuration to get to the metro station. Yeah, I've been to Love Station, I think, twice. It's not easy to get to. And I can't even get to the, I don't know how to get to the one where the parking garage is. It's always been on the on other side. I mean, so I'm not station. really sure what the discussion. Is. So, so yeah. I think that's what Ray is also trying yeah. to understand. I, I think the change the button. Exactly. Well, just keep in mind, it's the south side of the station. The whole the whole road network there is half complete. There's a lot more yeah. roads to be built that may make a lot more sense, but we had to do something. Kind of odd and rights to get in just because we had to use what we built. Right. But on the north side, that's pretty private. That's all private. So that's all Comstock is building it out, and it's Comstock's garage. It's not a it's not a county garage. The county garage is on the south side. The north side is Comstock. So there's not a lot of taxes. There's The buildings are built, and they actually have development plans to. You know where that the old park and ride lot is there. I think there's another building going up there. So, um, you know, I, I I think you were talking specifically about on Gateway. I mean, now Ashford Station. I think it is what it is. Yeah. Well, there two other issues <clears throat> that I just want to. I don't know that there's a solution, but I just want to point out from the nonprofit perspective with the Metro open. The number of riders in those circumstances has escalated, and the local shelter is overrun mm -hmm. with the Lava County residents because of COVID, long term COVID, and eviction notices. And so, added to that are individuals who are riding the metro out from DC. It's nice and warm and cozy. Get to the end of the road, and the sheriff department has to help those people in some way. So, I it's just a social issue and one of those unintended consequences of having the metro in our community. So, a meeting scheduled with county staff and it was uh, delayed and I need to find out the status on it because the county is aware of the problem. 
and the NQCs are, and the question is what, how do we address it? Working with a lot of uh, staff as well. So um, I need to get an update on that. It's not surprising. I'm sure they had the same issue at Whaley Wrestling when it was the end yeah. of Fairfax that you mentioned. It. So, <laughs> um, the other thing is the strike, and how is that affecting us? I think staff sections uh, staff. Okay. So I mean, it's just a call out, just an observation. I know that buildings existed before the metro, um, so that's something that could be done. But it's just a configuration. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean. To yeah, no, 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 no. If you're taking Moorfield, you know, like they said, it's it's all over the place. They're trying to get to Moorfield, it's like a maze. It's like, you know, how do you get there? The fire safety no, center. Right. So it's just a configuration, nothing to do with Metro by itself, or it's just the accessibility. Part of that's by design to exactly. keep people slowed down. Slow down, so you're not running, running, you <clears throat> So part of that is by design. It's the same problem. You have to turn off, and then you have to take another left to get in. Then you have to go right, and then you have to go left in the garage. I think all of those are done by design for safety purposes more than anything else. So, uh, with that, um, I'd like to go to staff updates, uh, ridership update, Mr. Chairman. Um, so, you have your usual your usual graphs, and if you looked at them, you might notice some. Fortunate trends over the past few weeks. Um, if I remember correctly, you guys were last this last met on November 16th. I wasn't there. I think I was blessedly asleep by that time. Um, and of course, that was the day that the Silver Line actually went into service. Uh, since then, you know, it's a little bit hard to get a read on the ridership because a week after Silver Line opened, we had Thanksgiving, which always impacts ridership for most of the week. Um, for the most part across the board. Um, right after that, we got into December where you get, you know, a couple of weeks, people going to work and then back into holidays again. So it's a little tough to get a really good read on the ridership right now and the impact of silver line opening. Um, it just so happens the way we structured our data previously. On November 16th, you saw a whole chunk of ridership disappear from what we call our commuter data. Because we lumped commuter and metro connection. We didn't lump the data together, but the sheets we used to track it had them together. And you watched on November 16th, about 200 people disappear from that sheet. Well, the hope was that they would then appear over on this sheet, which was the local service, because all of our service to the metro stations we consider to be local now. Unfortunately, it did not happen immediately. Um, there are some indications it may have started to happen through December, but again, it's hard to really get a good read on it through the holidays and everything else. Um, so I think Sarah Petty, one of you guys asked me in a call recently, how where do we get to when we can start saying, you know, seasonally that we're back to something normal in terms of ridership? And I think my answer was about February, depending upon the weather. <laughs> um, now we've had a new impact to get to something you asked about, Amy, which is the strike. So any chance we had of starting to track data now as we get into January and the weather's actually decent, we aren't having any major disruptions because of weather, 
we have a strike. So data is going to be tough to really get a good handle on. Until that's resolved, and of course, the other things I'm sure you guys were made aware in on at your last meeting. Our grand opening of our new bus service for the rail uh, was not what we had hoped it would be because of the staffing issues and uh, our contractors' ability to get spun up with enough operators quickly enough. Um, they've actually made great strides. Um, on uh, November 16th, we actually started 10 routes using rental vans, passenger, 15 passenger vans, um, and operators who were in training. That came with a lot of difficulties. They weren't properly marked. They didn't have fare boxes on them. They didn't have a real-time information system on them. Um, Keolis actually established a, I'm sorry, the board established a deadline for us to start collecting fares again on January 3rd. Keolis was actually able to meet that by getting enough people trained to be able to get out of the vans and all into county buses. So that actually happened on January 2nd. So that was good. Um, makes our data collection much better. We're back to collecting fares on every route. Uh, but we're still running an abbreviated schedule. Uh, routes that we had hoped to be running all day are just running uh, peak periods in the morning, you know, four hours in the morning, four hours in the evening, things like that. Um, we have not established any hard dates for us to go to full service because it's really dependent upon Keolis's ability to recruit, hire, and train uh, fully licensed operators. Um, and we're kind of taking this, while well, we were hoping November 16th would be a grand opening, we're kind of looking back and saying, well, that, that was the soft opening. We'll plan for the grand opening coming up um, when we can really roll out frequent service, all day service, late, you know, later in the evening service. Um, so we, we don't want to establish a date that can't be met and have to fizzle a second time. So we're giving them a chance to, to get that in order. They, they had established a goal of February 1, um, but with the strike, that's now had a negative impact on the training process and everything else. So um, our last meeting with them was, we're not going to establish a date. Let's get through the strike, see what the fallout is from the strike. Is it going to hurt the recruiting and hiring? Might help the recruiting and hiring, depending upon how the agreement shakes out, who knows? Um, but once they get through that, kind of get their their Train, they're training fully spun up again. Um, then we'll establish a new date and set up, you know, to try to go to the full service. So at that point, we can start gathering some real data, get some real understanding of, you know, are people liking the new routes? Are they liking the new timetable and everything else? So uh, we're going to be collecting data for a while, I think, before we can really start drawing too many things. Would be possible to add. Uh, one, the more people coming in and out of Loudon Gateway and Ashford Metro stations through these charts. Did we get that info? I thought we had, on our pre meeting, we talked about getting. Where do we get that? So we get the How do we get the information? Glass will get it. Can't she? Yeah. If possible for that, we'll let me see that. I think that adds to more completeness of the picture because I think the bus routes are extremely important, but it's I just feel like it's not entire, the entire picture too. But uh, your point, so we're well taken. Post the 
loaned by three bus service coming along the that we all the loaned by bus service the uproar that we had this fall. It's been quiet. It's been quiet. We've squared We haven't had any uh, negative feedback. Um, I haven't heard back. Nobody has. We have reached out. Right, so we're done that. Not at all. Not off the top of my head, no. Uh, I haven't really taken a chance to to look at it. Except I'm fairly certain I did see at least. I think it's been used, but well, don't okay. quote me on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's not make any other thing. No, yeah. no, don't say the yeah. say, but it's being that's good. That's the one thing. It's good thing. But yeah, we haven't heard any issues from the residents or anything else. So. This is good. So, so talking about that, that brings up the conversation we had last year. Is the regional parks that's okay with the buses from the regional parks connecting that and i know i had a quick chat with uh scott and matt in the modern uh, opening at the time but um and also you asked me to remind you that job being discussed i know it's a it's something to be looked into but um are we going to look into that or so did we add that comment to the strategic planning? Because I think, I think uh, one of the takeaways for the numbered meeting was uh, when uh, the uh, consultants, forget the name of the consulting firm, but Kimberly Hunt, mm -hmm. right? When they presented that um, we are going to provide inputs to their uh, online portal or whatever the, it is. I don't know if we did or we did not, but I think that's to be factored in. So the, this topic of discussion, if I'm correct, if my memory serves right, is to have the local bus service run through the park. So there's just bonus we have to drive. They can take the bus service. And take cars off the trails. Cars the same thing. Them. And uh, folks are allowed to go to the new parks, especially the new parks. And uh, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting a lot of, I'm also with the HOA member. A lot of folks. Pushing that agenda, and I hear that from others. Uh, they love the buses. So uh, here we are looking at one location that they don't want buses. Here is the people who want yeah, buses. Yeah, so yeah. I want them to this direction who want it, right? So and I think it's starting now to talk about it and plan it gives you enough time to get into spring. I think all the procedures happening, and if you all like it, and we're moving towards that, we're getting something implemented by mid of this year. Keep those folks happy for all over the digital parks. It makes sense. It's connecting two things for the county as the parks. So, a question on that one. Um, we when we talk about these riderships, and I know I when I think about it, I generally frame it in getting to and from work. Talk about the, the, the long haul buses, and, and generally also when we talk about okay, well, you know, the, the local bus may not need, may need to run later so that the staff of an establishment can close up and, and get home and things like that. But, you know, you bring up a good point. It's that, you know, do we have a mandate or do we have any sort of directionality from the board that we want to extend how Loudon does its bus services like a mandate? It's like the mandate. I don't know if there is a mandate for getting people to and from their offices or to their jobs, but is there, if, that, if there is one, then it, would that be, make sense to say, to look at, and then we had a um, presentation from, I forget who it was, but she talked about the wine country. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that kind of fits directly with what you were just saying. You know, so is, is there a mandate to do that or could there, is that something that we 
work with our supervisors on to see about that. Now that obviously is a it's a different, it's a completely different beast, right? Much more, much less predictable. Again, you know, we've had some one on one conversations with the board members through the strategic planning process that we're going through. Some members are really gung ho about using buses for that purpose, like going to the wineries and that type of thing. Others are concerned that we would be competing with the private sector to provide that service. And again, uh, no real strong consensus one way or another. And so um, we're trying to figure out how do we get in front of the board, work with the board to get more direction in terms of where they want to go. I'll mention another change that's going on for our department or our, our group. We're, we are now on top of everything else going through a reorganization. So we're going to be moving from the Department of Transportation Capital Infrastructure to the Department of General Services. And so it's like all of a sudden there's kind of a, you know, a hold on things because we're doing this transition and it's like, okay, that means we're all not moving as quickly on the transportation strategic plan, transit strategic plan or the cap capital uh, or the commuter uh, um, assistance program. I can't remember all these alphabet here. So, so not only are we having the external stressors of a strike and trying to get people on buses, we're now having to go to an internal reorganization. And it's it's a matter of lifting this group into and putting us into another group. But it's not as simple as it may sound because there's all sorts of things that go into our financial and the HR system, the Oracle system that we have to do. But it's change and it means that we we have the opportunity to go look at the new physical location located to, which is was good. But it's one more thing that we are tackling right now. Handling the strike and challenges of doing the job that we're hired to do. Um, everybody's working really hard to do what we need, but it's you know it's just one more thing that we're thinking about and trying to get through right now. Um, with regard to the strike, this is an issue that is between the contractor, POS, and the union. We as staff steer really clear of that it's not our job. Our job is to hire a contractor, which is POS, and ask them to provide the service we want. So we are not involved in we're staying as far away from the strike as we can, except to inform our constituents, our riders, what's going on. Unfortunately, last week we were doing a scramble on Tuesday night to get information pushed out as fast as we can, could, but many riders didn't find that information until the next day when they were trying to find their bus to go downtown. In fact, our Kiel's contractor probably sent some bus, did send some buses downtown that shouldn't have gone, but we got that squared away. So, in terms of what's going on with the contract and the strike, that's probably all we can really say to you right now. Um, we don't have any idea when it will be finished, when it will be done, or anything like that. And frankly, we've been told to stay out of it because we have we are the ones that work with the contractor. When this is all said and done, we have to have that relationship with the contractor. Do you think the general public knows that? It's a, yeah. Are you getting complaints? If so, you are responsible for no. this issue. No. no, I mean we're getting complaints. Obviously, asking when is it going to be over, but so our standard response is exactly what Penny just said. We're at both distance between our contractor and our labor force. We honestly have no idea where this is and how soon it is. 
Um, I do want to go back in and kind of answer the question regarding the service level. So there are brick drivers that are still working, They're still providing all the local fixed route service in the county um, that Virginia Regional Transit used to operate, which is the two digits between Sterling and Leesburg and between uh, in the Sterling area, uh, Ashburn area, countryside. Sugarland Run, the, all of those developments still have their local service operating. Uh, the, all of the and the courthouse shuttle is, is operating. We have had to limit the main trunk line to 70 down to two buses. So instead of operating every half hour, it's operating every hour because of a lack of drivers. But, so that's been pretty stable since the strike hit. So those services have been able to but hasn't been able to operate all the commuter bus lines and all of the lines that basically serve Silver. So all of those services are suspended. Um, and it's important to note that all paratransit services are operating. So those, there is some services being operated, but that's kind of where we are. And, and that's clearly all we can really say about the structure. That's clearly all we have. Are they? Part of the same contractor. Yeah. So are these people crossing picket lines? Is that uh, and and you? I, you know, I mean, listen, and, and if you know anything about union environments, not everybody's in a union, right? So the folks, it's a right to work state union going applying. So I mean, it's those folks have chosen to go to work. We don't get involved and ask are they pro or anti or any of that. We don't. Get involved in did you guys just out of curiosity? Did you have the influence to say, well, we want to keep the local route? We've only got X number of peers, yes. peers on our property. Yes, that is directed at our direction. The spirit transit comes first because some of those are life safety issues. So, if you file a system, another local routes, and then it was rental connecting routes going home. And uh, the move of the from CCI to general services was that uh, internal initiated effort? Uh, within the county, came from the county manager's office or county administrator's office. It's something that he has wanted to do for a number of years. And I think okay. with the hiring of Nancy Boyd, as the new director of BPCI, and having her focus in some other areas, that it was time at this point to move us into. More of an operational department, which is focus is on. So uh, by the middle or end of March, in, well, we'll physically be in a new location. I think by fiscal year uh, 24, all of our financials and HR stuff will all be. Well, the reason I ask that is because in, in light of the union strike going on, so was that initiated just at the beginning of the year for the strike? It sounds like it's a little moving parts to. It's just part of being in, in Loudoun County. Fire, fire hydrant that never stops. Right. I'm sorry. It's, it's, always, it's, always, it's always a fire hose, right? Yeah, it just never stops. Yeah. Um, I, I, there's never a good time for necessarily. I mean, there's never a good time to, to pick up a group and move them. And then also, I need to say that EPCI is getting a, a group from the general services department too that will be part of uh, a new section for the. But uh, but we will be in sometime in March. Yeah. Genesis. 
No, I just don't think so. I think we just get everything in the right buckets and then we just keep moving forward. Have to bring Ernie uh, Brown, this director, up to speed on the strike and all you know, all this stuff. Not not that we will, but I think the county administrator probably be boy. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll go through the budget work sessions in March with both Ernie and Nancy at the table explaining why we're asking for FDs. So, well, it's it's a fam, fam, friendly transition, meaning it's not that we're upset and don't want to do this because that's not what it is. It is in, in my career and maybe in yours, reorgs happen all the time and you just go with it and you figure out how it works out and you take advantage of opportunities that you may not have. So, yeah, I, I just wondered if there was any additional update on the strategic standing. I will jump in and give you uh, what's going on right now. I have a meeting scheduled for later this month to talk with, with Aaron uh, Helen, who's Nancy, Ernie, and Andy. Andy will be the person I'll direct with Portia directly with the organization. Um, we are looking at slowing the pace down. Uh, we may even put it on hold for a couple of months to get through this transition period and then pick it up again. Uh, we're, I'm meeting with Andy um, actually tomorrow sometime to discuss a number of issues that we've got going on. Um, we're right in the middle of doing grants for the state. We're doing hiring. We're doing a number of things that we were planning to get done because we need to keep operating with that. Heading in the right direction. So, in terms of the strategic plan, I think we're going to see that slow down for a bit. We have until June 30th, 2024 to get that completed. So, I think we will continue where we can get together survey information from, from users of the system, although right now is not the right time to survey people. And then uh, we'll pick it up again, I think, probably in some to get it ready. The challenge that we'll have is our initial goal was to, to initiate and complete with this current board. By delaying it, we will have this board and then potentially some new members on the yeah. board. Potentially, yeah, for sure, right? Yeah, some coordinates, supervisors, or something. I think they're kind of feed on what Andy said too. The two big factors really are the strike is not affecting our ridership. And the silver line and lack of buses that being able to get the CDL drivers affected our ridership. So we really don't have a good clean picture of how that first step was. So trying to really put together a plan for the next 10 years based on an unknown starting point is a very difficult process. And then you combine that with the lack of responses we're getting from the public and we sent out thousands of Mail, not mail, just been handed out flyers with QR codes on them to take surveys and we've got 100 back. Right? Is that right? 128 back. So not. Very, very low. Now, the flip side of that is, is you know, we, we said, well, that's, te that's terrible, right? Because when we did our, for example, our bus stop outreach, we got almost a thousand responses. <laughs> so it's amazing what will kind of get people involved in the situation. Uh, but to go back to the strategic plan, Arlington sent their 
technical, like send us a technical number on theirs, and they've only got 270 responses on theirs as well. And they've had about 15 outreach meetings and several mailers and everything else. So, and they are culture of transit. Yeah, they have very, yeah. So, it's just a tough time right now to try to figure out where transit is. So, I, I think we're in, that's kind of what we're doing. And you throw that move this movement to it in a new director of the new department, you know, has some ideas, I think. So we need to kind of coordinate, take a pause, kind of coordinate, re-coordinate, re recalibrate, make a new plan. Well, are you still actively hoping people will participate in the survey? Is that why you're you're going to the LHSN meeting? Yeah. And oh yeah. It, in the community meetings May and I went to one, but there are people yeah. we had did, all of, like outreach. Um, we did uh, four four different public workshops. The like the Edith Henry, three of them were in person uh, with only a couple people attending. We had held an online version. Mm -hmm. Change it. I, you know, not very many people attended that. And numerous problems. It's been challenging. I think yeah. we need, so we need our. Governments and companies ask everybody to come back to work. Still pushing forward. We were going to, getting ready to do a news release, reminding people about that right before the strike. So we said, oh, no, a good time. And so we're holding off on that. Uh, still trying to reach out to different stakeholders and, and get the word out. So, um, do you have any other? No, thank you. All right. So, uh, planning projects. Do you have any? Um, program and transit strategic plan, which is what we were just talking about. Uh, we did hold our uh, along with us. We we held all of the public outreach engagement activities that we had planned for. We had individual listening sessions with um. Seven of the nine district supervisors. And the two district supervisors. Oh, the chair and the districts. Okay, no, no. Uh, I thought you said you had sessions with seven. Yes. So I thought we had eight. Okay, but well, no, I was asking what was the, the one district or two, two districts you guys did not have? Uh, we have not yet been able to connect with Supervisor Laterna and Supervisor Sanders. Uh, related to our paratransit service boundary study, we, um, we had a stakeholder meeting with uh, different county agencies who have clients that utilize our services uh, to give them information about the study, the different data that we've collected, um, give them a preview of our presentation to fine tune it for the Board of Supervisors. That'll go before the Board of Supervisors at the Transit Summit scheduled for May. And what that is looking at is different possible options for increasing transportation services to seniors and disabled residents. So we looked at expanding the service boundary beyond the minimum three-quarters mile or covering different population density areas 
uh, and put all of those together to look at costs, operational costs, driver costs, uh, how many people we would serve, different facilities that we would be able to reach by expanding those service boundaries, putting it all together so we can we're in the middle of all of that. The Title VI program update that uh, you all uh, helped participate in and provide input on, that has been approved by the Board of Supervisors. That was approved on December 6th. And so we are now in the implementation phase of updating some of the translations that we do uh, and revising our public participation plan, how we um, involve different groups within the county department to get the word out to people. So that will be um, for the next three years. And uh, just a background in case you all aren't day to day familiar with the Title VI program. I am. Uh, it is the, uh, the program that we look at our service changes and how they impact minorities and low income. Make sure that our communications are uh, available to. Different, in different languages that at least 1% of the population is allowed to have. Thank you. Any questions on the updates to Sarah? So the last one is the next business meeting. Tab is ended in this case for March 15th. Thank you. And just to confirm, um, person, I don't think we said so. no. I did not put that in my motion, but I, I, that's what I would say. Have a discussion. Yes, yes, yeah. 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 So it all helps it. Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Oh, and the other direction that I got is we still were interested in hosting these meetings in various locations throughout. With that, meetings are adjourned. Thank you.